Hello and welcome to another episode of The Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Bernie is here. Hello, hello. Mohanad is here. Hello. And Roche is here. Greetings, soccer brethren. <laughs> Full house. Hope everyone is well. I mean, we've covered it in the chat. I, I, I realized recently that like a lot of podcasts do this and we're guilty of it too. Like we'll ask each other how we are as if we haven't already been speaking and... That's well, you're trying to create some true. sort of a social aspect as opposed to the robotic, just like, all right, well, these were the scores. <laughs> yeah. yeah. These are just people I talk about football with. And we're trying to be good examples to the community. Like, you should be asking people how they're doing. Jeez. It's true, especially at a time like this. Yes. Exactly. Anyway, uh, you just have to take my word for it that everyone's well, because we're not going around the houses again. Did we, did we ask Alex how he was doing after saying that? <laughs> it never <laughs> works. Uh, I'm fine, well, too. Thanks for sharing, Alex. It's all good. Um, yeah, we're, everyone's good. Um, someone who isn't good, we'll start here just uh, just for the sake of it. Fulham have been relegated today. Mm. We knew it was coming, but uh, Bernie, I'll go to you. How do you feel about Nigeria playing in the championship next season? I'm very disappointed. Um, it's been a tough time for our country recently, and, and this just makes it so much worse. Um, but that said, I expect my Nigerian contingent to find their way into the Premier League at other clubs next <laughs> season uh, with Josh Maja. Uh, I think he's going to get a club, like a, a good club for sure. You reckon? I like, I like him. And obviously there's the Sunderland thing, but he hasn't actually done very much. I say good club and then I know Newcastle will buy him. <laughs> so. That would uh, further endear him to the Sunderland fans. Mm hmm. And us, because we're just waiting for the next season on Netflix. Yeah, I apparently there isn't actually a contract for this, so we might be waiting a long time. But oh no! Hopefully they work it out because we all need it. I think it the interesting so one. Uh, I think the interesting one this season is going to be the Juve one. If they don't make it into Europe, that's the one you need to watch. <laughs> yeah. They uh, yeah they keep saying that they're sticking with Pirlo uh, for the rest of the season, and it's just like that's two weeks. So. <laughs> You. you know what though? Like, I feel like Juventus are being smart here because they're like, they no one watched the first one because we were just like boring Juventus or winning the league. Now everyone's gonna. It's like if it's like Arsenal fan TV. They're like, oh, let's check it out. They they suck. <laughs> Big time. Good point. Also, I mean, hopefully we'll we'll have enough time to check in on Syria R later. But uh, the president of the Italian FA did say this week that they may kick Juventus out of Serie R if they haven't dropped the whole Super League shit by the time it's. It's time to register. What if the whole Super League thing was just a ploy to get to create storylines for this Amazon documentary? <laughs> Stranger things have happened. <laughs> and yeah, and Yelly's just like, trust me, they will watch it. <laughs> we will. We will. Uh, anyway, um, time for our, our main league, the Premier One. City one, Chelsea two. Um, so the main question here is, does this game matter, mean anything at all, or is it just a chance to take the piss out of Sergio Aguero, Mohamed? No, it matters. I think this this was the chance for City to, wasn't it, win the league? Had they won yep. this game? Yeah, I think it would have been really, you know, they can focus on the Champions League. They've got the final coming up. You know, they could have rested, well, you know, even their substitutes are, are full squad. I get it. But like, they could have rested everybody next game, etc. Now they still have to do it one more time. Like, I think if the United game goes on, it's still the case that if United lose, City win the league, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. But yeah, I, I still thought the way this game went down, like you saw, you saw how 
mad pep was at the end there with with aguero and it was a chance to and i, I could see why aguero did it because he he would have had two legendary moments right obviously nothing is going to compare to the first one but he would have had that one and then he would have had the little panenka chip to win the ne- the other league so i thought i could see why he would do it but yeah no it was definitely important i thought um Shay, as a striker <laughs> Nominally, <laughs> go on, go on. I'll just ruin the question. <laughs> entry. I'll qualify. Now, now I've perked up. I'm ready. As I'm a six-a-side striker at rec level, how did you feel about Aguero's decision to Panenka, a potentially season-winning penalty, title-winning penalty? Um, I mean, given that it was potentially his last goal-scoring opportunity for the club, I think it was a bit silly. Mm. But I think in the moment. If you were ever going to do a Panenka, you're on the verge of winning the title and you probably will win it in the next game, either way, in either case. There's no secret about City winning the league. They're 1-0 up and they're at home. If you're ever going to do a Panenka, this was probably your moment. It looked a little silly in hindsight and in a moment, actually, with a terrible Panenka. <laughs> but, I mean, I can see what he was doing. You know, he was, he was trying to get the fancy Panenka as his last goal for the club. It completely backfired and now he's looking a little sheepish. This is the thing, right? Like, yeah, to a certain extent, you can understand it, what a moment it would have been, I guess. But, like, know who you're doing it against. If he's doing it against Jordan Pickford, fair enough. But Edward Mendy is a massive, lanky bloke. So even if he dives, he's still got a chance of saving this, especially when you just, like, float it in like a balloon. Yeah, I think that, that how bad the technique was does not ex- it has nothing to do with the idea. The idea is valid. I love it. Go for it. But it doesn't excuse the technique that ended up there. And, and I, we, talk, you know, we talk about it from a city perspective, but this was a huge, um, you know, the win, the Chelsea's win is a huge effect on the top four race. Like if City had gone on to win here and Chelsea were still at whatever, 61 points, it would have, you know, completely blown the top four out of the water. Like this is big on Chelsea's side and they kind of secured their top four now with this win, which was not a given had they lost this game as they should have. You know, Aguero scores that goal. Sterling potentially gets his penalty, which I think is is a definite penalty. And now, you know, Chelsea actually also have a Champions League final coming up and they have to focus on the top four. But now Chelsea are kind of in there. They're going to be fine. West Ham are, what, six points away with three games to go. So, yeah, I think it has big effects on the top four as well, not just on City winning the league. I think that this game was almost the perfect advert for the Premier League, (laughs) to use that cliche. And I'll tell you why. This Premier League, not the Premier League that we all grew up with, because you had the joke of the, the first penalty. I mean joke in that it was probably a penalty, but it was, like, weird because... Jesus decides to just bum the defender and fall over. (laughs) It was just so odd. And like, but there was a mistake from Christensen in the first place and Christensen got injured. And then there was the Penenka, but also the first goal, sorry, Aguero miscontrols it and into Sterling, who was just so happy that he's gotten a goal. And then you get the penalty that should have been for Sterling and the miss kick winner by Alonso. This game was a calamity. And it yeah. exactly sums up COVID football. It has been a calamity. So this was Premier League football for me in one game encapsulated. That's that's very well put. And Nathan Ake was involved. Just, just going to mention <laughs> that. Um, what was that, Alex? The, that was your favorite player, Nathan Ake? Yeah. 
yeah every time he gets involved things things go a bit haywire um uh but did you see like aguero looked so annoyed when like he did miscontrol it and i'm sure he was more annoyed with himself than than sterling but the fact that sterling didn't even turn around and celebrate with he him ignored him very completely funny. He yeah. he completely ignored him like Aguero wasn't even part of the of, of the play. Like it was a really weird thing. He he almost ran away from Aguero as far as he could to celebrate with everyone else. I'm not sure if there's something going on there, but it was a very weird thing to not at least look over to the closest city player and be like, "Hey, we scored a goal." It was like I'm completely ignoring you, and I'm running across the field to whoever crossed it. Sterling's like, Sterling. "You're not going to be here next year," you know. Yeah. Sterling has had a rough time, mate. Like all he thought about at that time was himself. And I don't even blame him. Like it's been like I've because of this um um shout out to Aaron. I, I forget his uh his Twitter handle, but he knows uh asking <laughs> us to talk about about City. I because of him, I, I finally have a way to see what happens in the city fandom, which is not very many people, but I see it. And <laughs> they all straight like they've been going off on Sterling, and it's so funny. <laughs> It really is. So I don't blame him for that. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both he and Aguero were just desperate for any any kind of way to get you know some attention back in the team, etc. But um, Mo, you're right. The big win for Chelsea in the race for top four. They actually leapfrog Leicester, uh, lads. It it is well and truly underway. The Brendan end of season bottle job is well and truly underway. Three losses in the last six, I believe. Um, smashed here uh, at home to Newcastle. Um, Joe Willock is uh, he's like David from David and Goliath, just slinging fucking rocks at big teams all over um, the league. When you said that, I'm trying to think when he said it's like David, and then he said from David and Goliath. I'm trying to think what other Davids are. Like, it's David from like David's tea. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, what yeah. other Davids are there? Did it require, you know, it just, anyway, it's just a thought. Um, I'm sure there's other Davids out there. Famous. I mean, there was the the famous Beckham. like David yeah, Beckham. Sure. Beckham. I'm not. Yeah, but usually it's it's he's the David. Like clearly, like there's a story of two people. Like <laughs> not all <laughs> person. Or it could have been like David from Attenborough or something. Like you know, <laughs> uh, is, <laughs> is Joe Willock preserving nature? Probably. David Zinola, David James. Yeah, right. this all, is true. All big Daves. Anyway, yeah. don't uh, get us started. <laughs> it's too late, I reckon. Um, but yeah, anyone want to chime in on, on the Leicester slide? I do. I, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's actually uncanny every time he's in a position to close out the season, even as far back as 2014 with Liverpool. It completely bottles it in some miraculous fashion. And, uh, you know, their bottle job last season was outrageous. That was a terrible bottle job. And, the, you know, this season they've been, you know, in second position, now third and now going into the end, fourth. I mean, this game against Newcastle, they were down four nothing at home. Yeah, and we talked about their uh, we talked about their uh, next fixtures coming up. Like that's the problem, right? Like it's okay. Basically, you've got three big games. I think what is it? United, Arsenal, and Chelsea, or something. Spurs, um, Spurs, last game Spurs. Yeah. So the problem is, we talked about a week ago. They they I think played Southampton and they drew one one, if I'm not mistaken. And then they lost to Newcastle this game. We said, just win these two games. Then you can go ahead and lose the next three and you'll probably still be in the top four because looking you know, underneath them in the table, you've got West Ham. Yeah, maybe Liverpool have a tough run in. But now with Liverpool, if Liverpool win their game in hand, Liverpool are only three points away from Leicester. And you know Leicester will definitely drop at least three points in the next three games. I but, think Liverpool's uh, run in is better. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's actually a pre- precarious or strange situation because, you know, we're talking bottle job, Brandon, but we're also looking at Kelechi, Iheanacho on absolute fire. Every, every game he's scoring, he's, uh, you know, two or three goals, he scored a hat-trick not too long ago either. So he's banging for them and they look good going forward. But somehow they're 4-0 down. I, you know, it's really unexpected. To be fair, to be fair to Newcastle, sorry, Bernie. I watched this game because I just thought it might, I don't know, I think it was a Friday, so I'm like, why not? And Newcastle just actually just played. So while Matt Ritchie, he played with like Giggs' left foot. You know, like it was like, <laughs> what are you doing? Every time he got on the ball, it was the right decision, the perfect weight, the curler. Like there was one, I think, pre-assist. It was just like how, and he had another assist. And they just stepped up and Willick played well. Like I think just Newcastle in general really did deserve to be 4-0 off this game. It wasn't a fluke. And, I think they did. They they absolutely did. Um they took the game, like they were very brave. You know, they were very direct. They were very brave. But also Leicester's defending was hopeless. And the thing that I think a lot of people have not picked up on is that in this bottle job period, more than anything else, their defense has been horrendous and let them down. Because like you said, Inacho is scoring a lot of goals. They're, they're, not, they're not doing too badly in the goal scoring department. Vardy, of course, is having a hard time. And Madison is really not doing much. Inacho is doing it on his own, but he's still scoring a lot of goals. There should be new games. But their defending has been god-awful. I mean, well, Evans, Evans is also injured now to add to the woes of it. So they had like Castania exactly. in the back three. And, yeah. and Soyinshu and Fofana, I'm sorry. Even the last like month, Fofana has been horrible. Absolutely horrible. So, I mean, th- those two guys individually have, have a lot of talent. And I wouldn't, as a Leicester fan, I would be delighted to have those those guys stay there for the next, you know, like eight years. But apparently they've only played like 120 minutes together all season because Evans is usually there. And so he got injured in the warm-up, which, you know, to play devil's advocate is going to screw up your your plans. Not to a 4-0 level, but you can understand there being some some kind of shakiness there. But to the Ian Archer point, Roger, you're right. Like he's on absolute fire, but everyone else needs to help him because Harvey Barnes was scoring goals. He's injured. Vardy you would expect to score goals. He's stopped. Madison, I, like every first half of the season, he's brilliant. Second half, he seems to go a little missing. So like, where else are the goals coming but, from? They got they got a, a brilliant hit from Albrighton here, but he's he's good for like two a season. You know, Ian Acho needs some help. Yeah, but also to be cynical, like we talk about, you know, did Brendan Rodgers plan for this Ian Acho form? No. no. So, you know, this he's in a position now because Ian Acho decided to be the best striker in the world <laughs> over a month, right? Mm-hmm. But, is that planned for? No. Under regular circumstances, Iheanacho would still be on the bench because he's not contributing. Same old, everything's fine. And they would not even be in the top four right now. So if the last month Iheanacho did not step up, it would have, it would have even been a much worse scenario for Brendan Rodgers. And, and I know it's very cynical, and I know we have our banter, but I think you really have to ask the question because it's not, as Rache pointed out, it's a trend. Like, it is. It just simply is a trend now with Brendan Rodgers, and we have to, even if they do make it to top four, you can, they can relax and say, great. But the, he still has to figure out why does this end-of-season drop thing happen to me, <laughs> specifically, all the time. That's something that people really need to, need to start thinking about because it is a trend, and it is a, a problem that this manager has to address because it's always with him and his teams. Is he the one that puts the, the three worst players or whatever in an envelope at the start of the season? Is he, is did he that once, manager? He's <laughs> never lived it down. Yeah. yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we don't know whether there was anything in those envelopes. He just said, in these envelopes are three people, and one of you is going to let me down. 
It's just like, God, is there anything uncanny. actually in there? Might, might be a motivational technique. Might just be a motive. Yeah, it's like he's in the room with us, right? That's. I think we need a segment of the pod where Alex just imitates each manager. I think he kind of gets that in regardless once in a while. Yeah, I just jam it in. <laughs> Actually, I just want to say, yeah, we talked about Leicester's upcoming fixtures. Manchester United away, Chelsea away, and Tottenham at home to finish the yeah. season. Yeah, that, get that fi- last final game could be a top four final. Well, so so let me say this. I think they might actually be okay, and for two reasons. One is Spurs' last game of the season, they should be able to win that. And the other is that, and we'll use this to go to go on to talk about Manchester United. United have, okay, we're recording this on Monday night. United play Leicester tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then they play Liverpool on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And Solskjaer has been very clear that it, there's no way he can do this without rotating heavily. To my mind, he's going to do that for, Leicester, for the Leicester game. Um, a, it just makes sense in terms of the way the games are, are ordered, and B, because wouldn't United rather have Leicester in the top four than Liverpool? Like, it just <laughs> makes sense. So I think Leicester might be able to get something out of the United game tomorrow. If United go into this game with, like, Brendan Williams and Alex Tellers at fullback. But you also have the, the Europa League final. When is that? The 20th? 20- 26th of yeah, so if you think about it that way, Alex, the 26th of May, I would almost play a stronger side Leicester and Europa League final and go weak in the middle as opposed to Leicester weak and then Leicester and then Liverpool and Europa League final strong. I know there's a lot of games coming up, but I'm just thinking, you know, maybe spread it out. I no, think he's I, definitely going to go weak tomorrow um, just because they did play on Sunday. So, yeah. you know, and he played the full strength team on Sunday. There's no chance. There's none. Like Luke Shaw is not going to start. No way. Like, uh, I mean, Maguire's already injured, so you're going to get Bailly, you're going to get Donny. Like, maybe you get mm, Mason up front instead of Cavani again, because Cavani's old. You have to, like, all they're going to do is massage Cavani until the Europe League final at this point. <laughs> so it's a good, to access point, you're going to see even people like Ahmad Diallo, like, at least get 30 minutes in this game. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of changes, and Leicester should take advantage of that. They really should. Yeah. And of course, David De Gea and goal coming in for Henderson. I hope not. But I mean, if that's the case, straight up Leicester victory, five zero. <laughs> I, I oh, mean, wow. to be fair, on that Europa League performance against Roma, he went old school De Gea in that game. This so is true. there's a possibility, but I would still rather have Henderson. Yeah, but wasn't he arguably playing for a move to Roma? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he played I mean, well then... against them. That's what happened. Exactly. <laughs> that's how it usually like... goes. Just reminding Mourinho what he's what he's all about. But uh, yeah, lads, th- there's quite a few United points to talk about. I mean, obviously, 3-1 win against Villa. Um, Douglas Luiz allowed you back into the game with a, a living up to the Luiz name, I think, very, mm. very adeptly. But um, can we talk about Bertie, Bertie Traore and that uh-huh. absolute wonder goal? Uh-huh. Well, he's, we talked about him. He's a big looks weird kind of winger he's almost you know the dan burn of wingers um <laughs> and then but but we we've seen i think the very first game he ever played for villa we said well let's you know let's keep an eye out on this guy he seems he seems there's something there and that was a great finish and it, it was a weird when he was kind of almost falling backwards a little bit the ball was slow but in the corner i think it was it showed how good of a player he is and you know potentially people a bit higher in the table should be looking at someone like troy he's got a great left foot 55 thing about, cheaper than Pepe. Sorry, Bernie, go on. Yeah, yeah but also, Alex, I, I knew you were going to say that because I think you tweeted that. And mm. like, my comment was going to be, Pepe saw your tweet 
and saw that goal and said, have some of this. <laughs> and then Happy scored to, a world. Uh, any, anything Bertrand Troy can do, I can do. That's the kind of level. <laughs> yeah, that's not true because he can't make me as happy as Bertie Traore. That's just, I'm just saying. Um, but Bruno <laughs> but, obviously stepped up for his 1700th penalty of the season, dispatching it like an absolute legend that he is for his 27th goal. I think 17 of them were penalties, so great ratio there. He's killing it in his first so, season. So here, here's a stat. That's I, I hear a cynic. Oh, I mean, it, this is a contractually obligated Mohamed. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, here's a stat: the highest scoring midfielder in England all competitions is Frank Lampard with. I think 28 goals in a season or something like this. And yeah, something like that. Bruno yeah. has 27 with less penalties than Frank in that season. Yeah, one less. Oh, all right, Bernie, less. No, no, sure, sure, okay. sure, sure. Okay. One less. In five games, he might get five penalties for all I care. But even when you think about it, it's it's stupid for a midfielder to get the numbers. Yeah, that he I, I, the assist as well. 17, was it? It's something like a, that. A lot, yeah. Yeah, so that Actually, puts him, what's 20? I think he, he's one below him. plus 17. 44. Wow, that was quick. All right, so forty. You know, for people that don't know, Rache is the is the math whiz. So no, no, I'm I'm human. Forty-four contributions in a season is phenomenal, especially in the Premier League. Like I know it's not it's all competitions, isn't it? But like playing yeah. the league, being the Premier League, forty-four as a center mid, a little bit as a number ten. But like regardless, that is phenomenal numbers. Actually, yeah, that's a yeah, yeah, phenomenal. I am a little bit worried about Bruno Fernandez overall because. He's played almost every game for United this season in all competitions. And he, I haven't really seen him injured. And I feel like with players in the modern game, once you get that one injury, they're rushed back to the squad so fast. Mm. You don't have enough time to recover. It might just be like, okay, well, now this injury is going to cascade. And you're going to get multiple injuries. Right. So. Well, similar to Maguire, right? He played every single minute, not even every single game. Like that's, that, right. that's crazy. Like, and we, you know, we talked about Ole and stuff, and we don't need to get into that. But one of the points, and maybe you guys agree away from the banter, is that maybe does he rotate enough? Like, is he brave enough to rotate when maybe he should have? And but I get it, he's new and he wants to get the results. But like Maguire, every single minute, surely there were some minutes in, I don't know, Europa or even when you know, Champions League groups ate something. I don't, I'm I don't think let... it's no, go ahead, Alex, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to let Buddy take this, but I just want to add one thing to that debate, which is that apparently Maguire takes a lot of painkilling injections to get through games. And if that's the case, like, yeah, you'd think that some more management of his minutes would have been appropriate. Yeah, well, that was mostly last season when that happened, when he had a, a hip tear or something like that, something really crazy. And then he did that. But the thing with Maguire is, and I think the thing with Ole is, he likes a guy who's, who will knock on his door and say, I want to play. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I'm going to play here. And Bruno and Maguire seem to be those. those you already had that guys. manager in Mourinho, though. No, but Mourinho is like, even if you have a broken leg, <laughs> I want you to play. <laughs> yeah, Mourinho's like, like, suck it up. <laughs> we don't need sports so, analytics here. We just, you know, uh, play through the injuries. No, definitely, no. That was hilarious. Mourinho getting rid of the sports data science team yeah. and was like, Thumb in the finger in the air, like you're yeah. fit. Let's go. Um, I mean, that kind of tactic worked in Portugal in 2005 because you know the computer hadn't reached them yet. <laughs> wow. This is wow. Okay, um, but no, it's interesting that it's those two guys because everyone else he rotates heavily, like Cavani for one, Pogba another one. Those types of guys, he's like even Luke Shaw. If you notice, Iron Masaka plays every minute, but Luke Shaw, uh, Pogba and Cavani, he's like nope. 
I'm rotating you guys as much as I can. So I'd be curious as to why those two, Maguire and Bruno, um, I think it's a leadership aspect that he wants in every game. If he, if he can. Well, he also like has no, no replacements for them. There's no replacements. Like you look at Maguire in, in United or in England, there is no replacement for Maguire. Actually, I would say, I, I would say Eric Bailly is a replacement. I don't know if I'm biased towards Bailly. I know he has an injury, uh, well, not an injury, but an accident in him somewhere. But I do feel like he's an able-bodied defender, extremely athletic. Well, Eric um, Bailly has had injuries this season, COVID, and a car crash. So, like, <laughs> you can't rely on that guy. But no, now, that now he's funny, even, even he's signed a new contract. So, um, yeah. and he's going to play the last three games. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really understand why giving him a new contract when there's clearly no faith in him as a football player. I, I would just say with the Maguire thing and to the leadership point, like it's not just Maguire you lose when he's out of the team. You also lose the best Lindelof that Lindelof can be because next to Bailly, he's not going to look anywhere near the same. But there are two two other little questions that I want to ask of the United fans. One is, um, quickly please explain to us what's going on with the sponsorship thing. And second is, United have picked up 2.2 points per game this season in games where they've gone a goal down, which oh, is man. mental. Like, that is insane. So why does this keep happening? Like, what is, is it a tactical thing? Is it a personnel thing? Like, why do United go one down all the time and then win? So um, I'll tackle that, and then Roshay can handle the sponsorship one. But so I was reading this article, and it seems that there is a specific tactical instruction for Manchester United to take it a little bit slow in the beginning of games. Um, and you, this it's, it's weird because someone actually did this plot graph analysis of how United have been running end of the season, this season. And you notice that they are fitter than any other club in English football right now end of the season. And it's there's a suggestion that there is a load management that they're doing in games that allows them to be fitter towards the running of the season. So it could be a energy conservation type of thing that could be playing into it. You don't ask them to play like shit in the first half. It's just more like, you but know, they just do anyway. don't, o- don't overdo it. And then they play like shit. And then he has to give them a hairdryer and then they come out guns blazing. It, it's, but it seems to be an instruction to just observe, watch, take it easy, and then blitz them towards the end. But they just play like shit as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because they are the fittest team in the country right now, even without all that rotation. So there is a, <laughs> There's a deliberateness think, about it in some I, way. I think that comes with a trophy, doesn't it? The fittest team in the country. Uh, haha, very fun. The fittest <laughs> they leave. Coming from someone in 10th, that's, that's rich. <laughs> Actually, I, I do want to just kind of supplement the note Bernie provided because, you know, we have talked a lot about minutes that Maguire has played for United and how he's played every single minute. We also don't really talk about how far this team has come in the last season and a half because. Really, I mean, Ole has been at the, at the club since December of 2018, which is not too long ago, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things. And in that period of time, he started off with 11 wins in a row. Then he promptly lost the next 11 games in a row. <laughs> and then, you know, and then there was just like a rebuilding Ole out. You know, things are a disaster. And, you know, we had a lot of injuries. And then we just needed consistency in the team. I mean, I say we, but, you know, Manchester United. Consistent 11 playing every week, getting confident, building momentum. And that's exactly what we saw this season with the squad. And we're not really addressing that point that they, you know, that's probably why these players have been overplayed every minute without a lot of rotation. So um, yeah, that was just my supplement note to what Bernie was saying. In terms of the sponsorships, 
And um, I think the latest news is because of the ESL and the anti-glazers protests going on, some sponsors, and particularly a kit sponsor, um, has pulled out of a deal. So that's a 200 million uh, euros, if I'm not mistaken, deal that um, you know, is, is now a pain for United. How will they replace those revenues? I'm sure something will, will happen, but that is the latest news. I heard, I heard the idea is that it's local businesses, right? Because the United Fans Trust or whatever said, like, if you guys do this, we're going to like try and get you, Manchester citizens or whatever to actually boycott your business locally. Is that right? Accurate? Yeah, the training kit sponsor is the Hut Group, and they're actually a local company. Hmm. And they pulled out. Like they literally, they they said they don't want to do this anymore because you know they're local. They're easy to, to boycott and attack and things like that. And then there's Melita Coffee. I don't know where they're from, but they're the official coffee sponsor. And now they're talking about it and being like, "We want out of here unless you fix this issue with the fans." So when you say the Hut company whatever are local you mean like they're in london they're in they're in london oh. no they're oh, in manchester that, by the airport that, wasn't a, that was the contractually obligated uh, modded like gold yep. bonus yes, yes. I, I do wonder though like if, if the glazers are a little bit confused because like fans are like support the local community they're like fine here's a sponsorship deal with a local company and fans are like we will not attend that <laughs> shop if you <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I think I think this is a really positive development. I think it demonstrates um, the power that, that fans can have when they are unified and, and make their voices known. So I'm all in favor of it, and I don't think you're going to miss that. Uh, Just one that one more one more quick years. point before we go on to onto you, you lads. Mason Greenwood is just unbelievable, like, mm. absolutely unbelievable. And I think there is a chance that he might be on that plane with his recent run of form. It's insane just how good he is as a as a as a young forward, and he's yeah. a generational talent, um, better than Saka and better than ESR and better than whoever else you want to say. Yeah. Hold in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Might as well. I mean, you hold started on. down that path. Hold to go on, all in. hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, generational oh, talent. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Foden's not a teenager, so I'm bringing up teenager. You said generational talent. Exactly, generational <laughs> talent. <laughs> hey, hey, Bernie. hey Bernie, while we're at it, do you want to, you know, on the record, make any statements about Edinson Cavani? Yes, I formally apologize to Edinson Cavani, and I'm going to insert his uh, chant right here. Now, Wicked. Yeah, let's move on to Arsenal before Mohamed passes out. That, that thing is so I, good. I couldn't, I, believe, just... I couldn't believe the generational talent comment. <laughs> he is, though. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Mohamed, let, let's talk about an actual generational talent, uh, Bukayo Saka, and, and his... <laughs> And his teammate. A generational wingback. <laughs> Listen, he's, he's 19 years old. He can play any position you yeah, want. He's probably I better mean, than Leno in goal. Uh, like, you know, who you might not is, have anymore. <laughs> the kid is unreal. Anyway, Arsenal, um, you know, you said that uh, it's rich because we're tense and Arsenal haven't won a trophy and blah, blah, blah. Take the piss all you want. We relegated Sam Allardyce. And that, my friends, is something <laughs> to, to, to celebrate. Arsenal 3, West Brom 1. Um, Mixed, mixed feelings about this one? No, no. The best part about this one was how embarrassed Arteta was on the bench because we scored three goals the day after we needed like half a goal to get through into the <laughs> European Cup final. So you could just see the embarrassment there. I mean, overall, we did eventually win 3-1, but up to that 30th minute before Smith throws goal, West Brom were the better team. Like mm-hmm. they looked better. They controlled the play. You know, at the Emirates, they had a couple of good chances, and it was just same old Arsenal all over again. 
I think the two goals in a row, 30th and 35 minutes by uh, Smithrow and, and Pepe kind of just killed the game. Um, obviously, before before uh, West Brom just had to breathe life back into it in like the 67th minute. And then we were all just thinking, OK, this is going to go down the down the shitter here. But overall, I couldn't care less about this game. I just I'm I think most Arsenal fans, us included, are still so deflated from Thursday night. And it's weird because the season was a write off. But then the kind of Europa League semifinal brought it back into life a little bit. And mm-hmm. it was, it's kind of that really annoying anticlimax that, you know, you gave up on the season and then they gave you the hope. And we always say it's the hope that kills you. And then you're like, okay, we might, you know, get to play United in the final and like, it'll be an interesting game regardless. And it'll be fun. And the season will matter a little bit at least. And then, you, you know, you're trying to get up against West Brom and he's like, you just don't care. So do you think that this West Brom game was so useless that you'd rather discuss the Europa League semi-final exit? Um, I mean, no, because... No, I mean, because I do, so that was <laughs> no, leading no, you I, in. <laughs> I understand, but there, there are points we need to get to. One of which is that, you know, William and Pepe have repaid the fees that we've spent on them. <laughs> Every single two penny. absolute yeah. worldies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other is... But no so, one saw it. No one's in the stadium, <laughs> so it doesn't count anyway. I would also like to say that both finishes are in the exact corner as each other, so I mean... If you don't pay money for that. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of thing that the trap players do is, uh, and like, who was it that I was thinking about? I forget. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They'll score a couple of goals or get a couple of assists towards the end of the season, just so that they don't get flogged in the summer. Or yeah, so William like at Chelsea extension. last season, yes. pretty much. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So not surprised. But Mohamed, uh, I, know, I know you have to go soon. So I want to ask you this before you do. Um, question from at man like Dell on Twitter, who said, and this was he sent this in a couple of days ago. Just spoke to my brother about Arsenal. My head is hot. Under the cosh, if you support this team, how do you stay calm? They yeah. Look at their Twitter feeds. Have you not seen their Twitter feeds? It's a nice museum. What a, what a, no, 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 no. Sorry, wait. Before Mohanan goes on, and Rache's point, the other game, I don't remember what it was, when where Mohanan was like, guys, there's no point complaining. It's going to be shit, whatever. And the next two tweets, Mohanan was just complaining his ass off. (laughs) Yes, it is what it is. (laughs) Look, the calmness thing, I think it comes with, I I think you're not calm, like Rishi say. You get, you know, you get swooped into it. You you get swooped into the whole owners and how bad it is and Arteta and Emery and you get swooped into it. You can't help it because it is what it is. And the minute you lose that, that's that's when you just should stop, you know, supporting your team or just even following them or watching the sport or whatever. So you, you can never get to that point where it doesn't matter at all. But I think the calm that relative to, let's say, younger people supporting Arsenal comes from experience, yeah. right? And it's that experience of like, we've been here, we've been there, we've had the Wenger out, well, we've had the pre-Wenger out years, then they've had the Wenger out years, and they had Unai Emery, then now we're having this. So it's almost like it kills you a little bit inside. So it's not like it's fresh. This is just the same old, and you're just waiting for the glimmer of hope that you can see yourself come out of it. And again, it's the hope that kills, because when Unai started, there was a hope. And then when Arteta started, there was hope. And it's kind of, you need that consistency so that you can finally be fully on board. But how yeah. much can you continue bleeding? Well, that's that that's a dangerous part, Rishi. Like we looked at Liverpool, right? Like Arsenal fans are talking about this is similar to Liverpool's downfall 
before you know before they saw the hope there so they went into seventh and eighth and they played the europa league and it was looking really bad and then they had that crazy upturn in in fortunes and i don't think arsenal will have that because we don't have klopp and we don't have the scouting system that liverpool has and the the, the whatever their signing board that they do and you know all that stuff so i don't see us going that high up but it would just be nice to see something in the next couple of seasons where we can at least get it back in the top four Agreed, and I would I would also add like from a personal perspective, um, I think well I've used the word already, but I think perspective is is important because like you know we we all support relatively big clubs. Ninety nine percent of all clubs do absolutely fuck all and don't get near to winning anything and don't you know and so you you have to understand like how good you have it if you support a big team relative to so many other people already and even like it's a privilege to expect your team to do well because most people can't. And so, you know, you, you just have to kind of bear in mind <laughs> that your experience really isn't that bad, even if at the moment it feels a bit shit. Except it is for you because, you know, you guys have been thinking that everything was back and Arteta was great and this, that, that, and whatever, and blah, blah. but it's, it's, it's shitty. But I think that to your point needs to be a recalibration from, Arsenal fans of, you know, just hope for improvements the next season. You're going to finish ninth, hope for seventh, and then take it from there. It'll be a five-year journey, I, I potentially. Can't take, I can't take another Saka, Europa League season. ESR, just forget Europa gonna... League. Conf- you're in the conference, no. that's, is what's going to happen. So whatever. It's either, it's either ninth or fourth. I cannot do anything in between anymore. Like I just can't. Like I actually don't mind coming. Like I really, I'm never going to be the fan that wants us to lose. But I do not want to just sneak into the Europa League or the Conference League. Or I just don't. Like just trim the squad, get rid of all these players, and focus on one competition and the FA Cup, and that's it. But I cannot do another Europa League round of 32. Just I can't. I, I just, I just think that what what we kind of went through, Rashana, what we said was we want to see young players and people that we like on the pitch. If the results are bad, I can accept it as long as they're, I like the people on the pitch. I like the manager. And then at least I can hold on to that. And yeah. then hopefully they can improve. You guys have so many players that just no one fucking likes. Like there, no there one likes at all. There is hope to be fair. Though. So there's Bukayo Saka, who's a, mm-hmm. you know, one of the yeah, best Mike players. Yeah, Smithrow. Smith, uh, so Smith let Rowe. me ask you this question yes. on Saka, right? We all, we all know he's a good player. Not as good as Greenland, but he's a good player. Now, if... Someone comes in and realizes how good he is, right? And offers you 90 million for Saka. What, what happens? No, because no. What, like, unless you tell me exactly, unless the buys are lined up and I agree with the replacement for the no, 90 million. I, I no, not what you want. I'm saying, what do you think no, Arsenal would no do way. and Saka no would do? Considering, because no you're, you're, let's say you're finishing ninth, right? Let's say next season, do you think you make top four? Probably not. No. Do you think Saka's head starts to get turned at that point, knowing how good he is? I think it's too early. I think it's okay. too early for him to to get his head turned like that. I think he's also getting a lot of opportunities. I think he's probably relishing how important he is for this team, etc. Um, I think what he'd want, though, is to stop being played in so many positions and have locked down his position and really start to kick on from here. But I just think every time I watch Saka, forget stats, forget this, every time I watch him, and we all understand football I'd like to say, like, at a different level, right? Like, we, we think we understand it at a quite a high level. And when you watch him play, I just love, in his head, he's 28. 
I just love the decision making. I love what he does. I I can see the crazy potential. Forget goals and assists, but I can see that he knows football and he applies it so well. That's why he can play left back better than almost anybody on the team, maybe Bart Tierney, but that's even debatable. You know, he can play left wing, he can play number 10, he can play false nine, he can do it all. And that's because of how smart he is. So the goals and stats and assists that will come with time. But 19, you've got time. It's fine. But I'm really and, and like you said, it's all about people that you love and your experience comes from that because you're not you know, there's no results. So you might as well look at the Sakas and the Smith Rose and the Martinelli's and the Saliba's. People are excited for him and the Gabriel's and, you know, Arteta. The thing is people, yes, he's, his stock has taken a dip recently, but people like who he is as a person and what he at least is trying to do, etc. So at least we have that going for us as opposed to Emery, where even with results, people did not like who he is. But the yeah. results were drastically better. Like it's not yeah, at the beginning. night and day. At but the no beginning was, only. But no one was really much happier. That's yeah, exactly. but, but isn't that isn't that a? It's, and sorry to belabor the the discussion, but I find it interesting because I don't understand you guys in that it's comparing Unai Emery came after Wenger. If Unai Emery did exactly what he did now after Arteta, no one would have a problem with Unai Emery, not a single person. That's not true though. The thing the thing is that with with Emery, like yeah, there was a bounce. The results in the first season were pretty good, although at the end of the first season he completely blew it. Um, and, and the thing was that. Like communication was a massive problem. The squad didn't like him because they couldn't understand what he was on about, and the fans couldn't connect with him because he couldn't speak English. And and it's not to be discriminatory to someone who's struggling to speak English. The fact that he even tried was impressive, but it's just like everyone could tell from fairly early on that this was not going to go well long term. That there was a very limited shelf life for this relationship. And so even when the results were fine, we could all see that this was going to come to a fairly quick end. With Arteta, while the first period has been very dodgy results wise like at least you can project the future onto it and Arteta is literally in his first year of management and so you know you would hope that this is as bad as it could possibly be and Arteta as a manager Arteta just to just to point out that Bernie Arteta as a manager is similar to the signings you can expect Arsenal to make as players you have to go for that young guy with potential and hope that the trajectory and everything kind of works well and comes together because you're not going to go you know get Allegri you're not going to go get Klopp you're not going to go get Tuchel so you have to bank on someone like Arteta and then that comes with the players too anyone that thinks we're going to sign world-class players this summer it's not going to happen you're going to sign the Basumas the Aarons the you know, that kind of player and hope. The Thomas Partey's, that type of player, yeah. That's that a different type. situation. Partey is, is a good player and so yeah, is yeah. Odegaard. Odegaard. That they ruined, good. that they're going to I ruin. I mean, that, 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 that happens. Yeah, Arsenal ruins good players all the time. So, In, in my opinion, and I'm not like the, the biggest Arsenal fan, I think Arsenal fans actually love misery. But I really think that getting Danny Ceballos out of that starting lineup would be three league places worth of a difference. <laughs> three league places. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah, not Wins far off. Above replacement. I love yeah. it. All right, let's move on. Uh, Liverpool to Southampton nil. Um, Ralph could have done something here. He could have spoiled the top four. But um, Bernie, much to your satisfaction, Southampton have lost like 14 games in the last 20 or something mental. I don't know. They're basically only just above the relegation zone at this point. And Liverpool, pro- Liverpool put it together. The problem with like agendas is at some point you have to cheer for the person you have an agenda against. And <laughs> I, of course, I wanted Ralph to win this game, despite my agenda for him. Like, you know, I mean, I will never want Pep to win a game. And w- if we have time, we'll talk about our despair at them being Champions League final. Um, but 
at some points, I do want Ralph to win against against Pep and against Klopp and against Brendan. Like, sure, I do want that. So I was disappointed, but also proven correct in, in how useless he is. So well, I, I'm that. disappointed that Mane just had to go because speaking of, of agendas, Mane and Thiago both scored in this one, who Mane has been railing against all season. But, okay, this blew my mind. Salah passed it to Mane for the goal, right? Crossed it to Mane for the goal. The first time either of them has assisted one another all season. It's a stupid year. It's a stupid year. Yeah. Who knows what's going on? That is mind-blowing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, And Thiago scoring a goal. It it probably was a miss hit. (laughs) 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 And Thiago scoring a goal is just like, listen, like, no. Uh, There was was a, uh, I can't remember who said it, but there was a thing where people voted that Thiago was the best signing of the season and Cavani the worst. And those of us who doubted Cavani, I never went that far, but who did have been <laughs> have been proven stupid because Thiago is one of the worst and Cavani is one of the best, yes. quite clearly. I was, uh, personally on that note, I was never in the anti-Cavani bucket, mm. but I was definitely in the, no, I can't believe that Thiago went to Liverpool. No, this can't be happening. But then seeing him fail at Liverpool made me really happy. <laughs> Yeah, it's been uh, it's it's not been what he signed up for. That that's for sure. It's not gone as expected. But um, Liverpool might sneak into the top four here. They're on fifty-seven points. Leicester dropping like a stone are on sixty-three. And Liverpool, as we said earlier, have a game in hand. They win that. They're on sixty. Um, although, is their game in hand the United game? Um, possibly because that's you know that's in the next four days. Yeah. But so Liverpool play Leicester, right? Like that game happens. I'm not mistaken. I don't remember, but it sounds so, like you're googling it, so I'll let you do that. Liverpool play. Oh, okay. They play Man United. They play West Brom. <laughs> they play Burnley and then Palace. Come on, like, listen. If Klopp can't win all of these games, he should be gone. I'm just sorry. Wow, he should be oh, gone. you're second Klopp now, are you? Like, like, like no, not really. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, you can't lose you can't drop one single point like i, I mean united sure fine but like even if they win three of these four you know leicester will drop like three points somewhere just win three of the four and you're in the top four that's it yeah they, they should be able to do that i think burnley are on a really good run of form and i think they might be problematic for liverpool usually it would be palace but everyone's but, on the beach. Even my United are on the beach. Every single one of them is on the beach. Actually, yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, Burnley secured their status this weekend. So, yeah, they will be on the beach. If yeah. that's if Burnley, I mean, you look at the Burnley players. If they go to a beach, they're all getting burned. But yeah. still. Yeah. Nonetheless. Um, so, you know, the, the chance is there for Liverpool. One thing I want to say about Southampton Danny Ings has a year left on his contract, they want to keep him. But I suggest they sell him because if you're going to be rubbish, you might as well have more money. Like Danny Ings has 11 goals. Why, what, what's the point of keeping him? Just sell him. It's not like Che Adams is going to score any goals. <laughs> like you need something you get, for next season. You might get two. <sighs> Michael Obafemi, you get half. You know, that'd be fine. Uh, or, uh, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Roche. I, I, I was going to change the topic a little bit. So if you want to continue, either I was just going to talk about United and City in the league table specifically. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap that up at the end of the, the Premier League section. One more, one more game to quickly discuss. Leeds 3, 
Uh, Spurs won. Stuart Dallas with his eighth goal of the season. Uh, Bamford, I don't know how many he's got, but it's got to be quite a lot at this point. I think it's 15. That's very good. That's very good. And Rodrigo um, Son with the goal for Spurs. Um, Quick question. Bielsa is out of contract at the end of the season, hasn't signed an extension. Could Daniel Levy be tempted? No. Why? Well, sorry. I answered that question the wrong way around. Bielsa would not be tempted. <laughs> that's what that's what my no was for. I don't think he would come. He would ever take that job. So I, don't, I think it'd be a total waste of time. Bielsa doesn't like those types of jobs. He always likes that under. Look at his resume. He likes that underdog job. He doesn't want that money for some reason. Like he just doesn't seem to. Leeds yeah, but- is perfect for him. Leeds are. Here, Alex, I'm about to hurt myself saying what I'm about <laughs> to say. Okay. Leeds are a club on the up. Spurs are a club on the down. They can overtake Spurs if they really, really do the right things. I wouldn't, if I was him, I wouldn't do it. And I think he thinks that way. <laughs> I think that's, that's your little fantasy world there. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's not as if Spurs are a big, a massive powerhouse that he's going to feel are like, you know, he, you can still go there and be an underdog. And also if he's not signed a new contract and there's a couple of weeks left of the season, like clearly something's going on. So, you know, Leeds are the most balanced team in the table. Let's just talk, you know, 15 wins, five draws, 15 losses, scored 53, <laughs> conceded 53. Nice. 50 points. Like a clean, clean equivalent stat sheet. <laughs> and, and, and they're in 10th place. So, yeah. Completely in the middle. Absolute mean or median. I don't know. One of them. The mean and median are the same. In this case, there you go. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, it, it just what cracked me up about this is that Bielsa has been alive, uh, has been a manager longer than Ryan Mason has been alive, so that's wow. that's enjoyable. That explains um, the, the, the win, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, rattling through the last games, West Ham lost to Everton, Dominic Calvert Lewin with the goal. Uh, massive, massive loss for West Ham in terms of the top four hunt. Um, Sheffield United lost to Crystal Palace, does not matter. Wolves beat Brighton, does not matter. And Fulham, as we said, lost to Burnley. Um, one who stayed up, one who went down. And with that, there's a whole rest of the continent to talk about. Um, should we, Alex, sorry, should we do the team of the seasons before oh, yeah, we go sorry. into the continent? Yeah, let's, let's get into that because we'll make it quick, but I think there's some controversy potentially brewing. All right, and um, this is uh, Neville and Carragher's teams, right? Yes, yes. So, who's got it? Okay, uh, I've got Neville's. So, he's got Edward Mendy in goal. It seems wrong to me. I'm just going to say that right now. I don't know why. Uh, Kyle Walker at right back, no. Maguire, yes. Ruben Diaz, yes. Luke Shaw, yes. De Bruyne, yes. Gundogan, sure. Yes, yes. That run of, like, 13 goals was key it feels like someone's missing but i don't know who but he's got bruno yes foden kane and rashford i have a bit of an issue with the foden one unfortunately come on i i get it but it's, it's a bit of a problem yes but, Why? I, but I, I i understand i mean foden's been amazing absolutely amazing but i have to put calvert lewin i have to put someone like bamford i mean they've scored 15 goals each or something like that and he's putting them in the forward positions. Like, I guess why I think I get it, understand it, but he's a midfielder to me. And 
I'm swapping with Gundogan, maybe, but not over. Covert Lewin deserves a shot. That's that's, that's just hype. <laughs> in, this, in this fictional team. All right. Uh, Jamie Carragher's team, uh, Emmy Martinez in goal. I think that's a fair shout. Uh, Kufal at right back. I like that a lot. I think that's that's fully deserved. Um, Stones and Diaz, Luke Shaw in midfield. He's got Fernandez, Kante, and De Bruyne. And then up front, he's got Son, Kane, and Foden. So Foden's made both teams. Carragher's is worse because Maguire has to be in there. He, he has been immense this season. Only Diaz has been a better centre-back than him this year. Mm-hmm. For, and Kufal? For fun, I can I can say, yeah, sure, for fun. Why for okay. fun? He's genuinely been brilliant. Yeah, but he's not been anywhere near the best right back in the league, though. Like, exactly. You're going to say it's Juan Bissaka. I mean, I stats so. prove it's Juan Bissaka. Even the creative <laughs> stats prove it's Juan Bissaka. He creates more than any other right back in this league. So everything that we all said that he should do better, he did. And he does it better than Kufal. So I'm sorry. And he's like, quiet. I can understand it for fun, but like for fact, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Kufal, um, I mean, like Carragher clearly has omitted as many United players as he can. Well, even for fun, I can understand to an extent, but he's still not been better than Maguire. So you have to get past him, and he's a big man anyway. Um, no, it's 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 Maguire and Diaz. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. I'm interested that neither team had Mohamed Salah in it. Who after Kane, like he's the second top scorer in the league after Kane with 20 goals. Kane's got 21. His assists, I think, massively dropped off this year, though, with only four. Yeah, he had a very cold year in comparison. Just an interesting like, shot. It, it just feels he weird. He hasn't been playing well, but by virtue of scoring goals, again, you put him in that over Foden. Like, I just think it's a bit disrespectful to have Foden in there over a Salah, for example. Like, no, I'm sorry. Like, you reward output. Like, I, I don't get it. Son as well should get there over Foden in an attacking position for his contribution, goals and assists as well. It's not a, it's not a knock on Foden, but like, we're overdoing it right now with Phil Foden, and there's no need to do that. I guess he's got plenty of time to be in these in these teams, given he's yes. 12 years old. Yes, exactly. Uh, all right. Any anyone else that that you guys think is a, a massive omission from these teams? Well, I I do have the statistical best eleven. Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, so this is based on whoscored.com, and obviously um, one key piece of information is that this is based on a 4-4-2 formation. Um, so in goal, Emmy Martinez, right back, Juan Bissaka, uh, center backs, Fofana and Maguire, and left back, Cancelo, no shot. Uh, midfield, Mares, Fernandez, Kevin De Bruyne, and Son. And up top, we have Kane and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I mean, that is an excellent team as long as you never lose the ball. Because defensively, that midfield's a bit shaky. Yeah, I, I, I would have Cancel- Shaw for Cancelo. You can do whatever you want with Wambasaka. I can if we're if we're doing a give and take. <laughs> like, you can do that. Um, Mares. It feels right, but it sounds weird when I say it. But it feels right inside. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> it, it is mysterious to me not to see. Paul Pogba in the equation. I know I oh, come on. No, it's a lot of United games, but Paul Pogba has really stepped up the season and he's been a key player in this United charge to the number two spot. Listen, so, normally I'm right with you. Normally I really am. 
he I mean he has been brilliant from January onwards. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. But he was he was injured for about four to six yeah, weeks. Yeah, he well. was injured and he was terrible from the se- August to December. When, when he was injured, he was terrible. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He, he should have so been sure. much better. <laughs> COVID and injury. Sure. Okay. Fine. We'll, we'll give him that. <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's go to the continent then. Um, Atalanta. Okay. So Atalanta won five two on the weekend. I just want to throw this at you. They have scored 100-plus goals for three seasons in a row. Yes. Okay. That is absolutely insane. For a team with, have... a, with a payroll of, like, nothing point nothing, it's, it's incredible what Gasparini is doing there. Well, I'm going to conceded. So, in the league itself... Why do you have to ruin things, Bernie? Sorry, Don't sorry. worry about it. I apologize. So, so in the league, <laughs> in the Serie A, they are the highest scoring with 84 goals. Inter Milan have 79, Napoli have 78. Um, and they have conceded 42. So it's you know, roughly two goals scored, one goal conceded. That's the average. Now, yeah. I think one key piece of information was we, you know, we noticed last season at Atlanta, what the hell, where did they come from? I looked at the squad, and they have some players who are at prime ages. You know, they might not be the biggest names in the game, but they are players in their prime, all age 30 to 32, 33. And that's probably why they've been performing so well under Gasparini. All maturity, senior, senior kind of figures, all kind of just coming together. One last hoorah for the career, perhaps. And mm-hmm. the manager's doing. I, I think that's that's a good point because um, a lot of these guys were also kind of, you know, you consider them misfits in other places, like um, uh, Zapata, right? Like he'd been around, and some of the other guys have been around, and it's just a perfect formula. It's like Leicester, except they they're not winning, but <laughs> and they're also continuing. So it's, it's, it's this perfect mix that, that I really like um, for Atlanta. But, you know, going to the rest of Serie A, even as we're praising Atlanta right now, in the next three games, anything from second to sixth, I think. Wait, wait, where's my table here? No, second to fifth can change. Yeah. So we're yep. praising them right now, and they will deserve the praise no matter what. But they could finish outside the Champions League spots. Any one of those teams could finish outside of that and it's a wild wild ride like yeah. honestly it is there are only three points ahead of Juventus who lost against Milan 3-0 on the weekend a massive win for for Milan a massive win for Pioli who like rumors had started about him potentially losing his job given Milan like slipped from a very solid second place to now possibly being out of the Champions League um looks like they might lose Donnarumma they've already signed Manuel from Lille to replace him conditional on Donnarumma is- leaving though yeah, and and my guess is that Donnarumma is going to Juventus, but if they don't finish in the top four, is that going to happen? I don't know. Probably not, right? I, I don't see it. I think I think if Milan get into Champions League as opposed to Juve, he stays. I think, and Milan are screwed because they have Chesney still. <laughs> Juventus. <laughs> yes. He's fine. Listen, like he's made too many mistakes this year. That's why there's rumors of him leaving. The defense is atrocious. Like my delete agenda aside, they're all atrocious. I saw someone was put up this comp, uh, what's that thing called? Compilation of errors leading to goals. They're throwing the ball into their own net half the time. It's hilarious. I can't believe this sommelier <laughs> Pirlo. <laughs> like, anyway, I've said enough about Pirlo. It's clear. This is a, this is a, they, they got rid of sorry for this. What? Yeah, no, I mean, fine. sorry was never the right appointment in the first place, but, but also, not this. But yeah, but not this. 
<laughs> gone from from the tobacco expert to the wine expert, and neither of them is is no. the right thing. They should neither try a football them. expert. Yeah, a football expert exactly. It'll be yeah. nice. <laughs> see some, something like match yes yeah. <laughs> a good one a expert. yes but it's also a time that juventus maybe didn't finish first so yeah overall it's okay see some something fresh oh yeah i mean make no mistake everyone who's not a juve fan is absolutely de- delighted oh, by yeah. these uh by kick these them out of uh champions league and keep them out of syria uh pretty beautiful but yeah i i wouldn't miss them uh very quickly i just i just want to um let you guys know that so alvaro morata is on loan to juve Mm-hmm. At the end of the season, they can buy him for 40 million or they can loan him again for one more season for 10 million. And I just can't think of any like worse two options. Like they're both horrendous options and they well, should they be neither of them. They might have to do the loan because if they don't make the Champions League, they lose like six of six players. <laughs> so like you need something in there. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Uh, speaking of Morata, he's on loan from Atletico Madrid who are still top of La Liga, just about. So they drew nil-nil with Barcelona. I didn't watch it. Mohana did. He said it was a, a horrendous game and Barcelona were awful. And then the next day, Sevilla went and beat Real Madrid. It's mad. It's a madness. What is this? Wait, what table am I looking at? Why are Real Madrid second on this table? They are. Sorry, Alex, I think it was a draw, wasn't it? It was 2-2. They didn't, oh, they didn't yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So Sevilla didn't do the business. Anyone can still win this league. Technically, still Sevilla included in that, but really, seriously, they won't. Um, Atleti need to win this because it would be a disgrace if Madrid or Barcelona win this season. Yes, it would just be a disgrace. Well, La Liga should kick them out of the league if it looks like they're going to win it. Yeah, yeah, just on the final day, just kick them out. That'd be, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> Atleti winning this league for the second time would really. I mean, Simeone obviously is one of the top managers of our generation, but this would really put him in that conversation for best managers of today's game in the last 10 years. To your point, again, Simeone, if he wins this one, just leave. Yeah. Leave. This was a struggle. This was something that they were supposed to win at a canter, okay? It has become a fucking struggle. Win this, get across the line, and just leave. You be, They build a statue. Or a, oh, like, you become... He's already a legend, but they'll build a statue, name the stadium after you, whatever, whatever. Leave now while your stock is at its highest. Don't bottle this. Bottling this will hurt them a lot. Like, win and go. <laughs> yeah. Go I don't have to agree. It, it doesn't even matter where, where he goes. I mean, I, I wouldn't say... Like, I think the only other real job for him is maybe Inter... Because he used to play there, maybe Lazio. I don't know. But it's not really big enough for him. But or like Juventus, just... oh, yeah, maybe. But as an Inter guy, I'm not sure. That's true. That if that would happen, maybe. I mean, who knows what what he cares? He's, he's about a passionate dude. I, yeah. I can see him taking Tottenham just because he feels like I want to prove something. <laughs> he, he's a he's a kind of guy that I feel he's crazy. Yeah. But like he would, he's like, I want to take a stupid challenge now and see what happens. Like I, I feel it somehow. Pochettino, his fellow Argentinian, was there. So it's possible. Well, yeah, if you, I mean, you never know. I don't think he speaks English, though. Simeone? Yeah. Mm, I mean, it's better than Ryan Mason no matter what you do. So whatever. <laughs> just, just scare people into playing how you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, should we... Well, let's, just, let's go into Champions League just to, like... I know it's coming up. A little bit of talk about that. Because I was gonna say Liga, but we we little little we want to win. We all want yes. them to win, right? The three points like, clear. Yeah. Well, are they three or one? 
three because PSG isn't it? Because PSG didn't. Yeah, it's three. The other day. Yeah, three, three points. There's two games left. Two games left. Two games left. Yes, come on, lads. We need this. We need this. <laughs> Just for Johnson David. First off, we need absolutely. Um, but Champions League, yeah. City beat. Who did they play? Real Madrid. Madrid. And they beat them up. Really, like mm-hmm. this wasn't really fun. <laughs> They beat them like I thought it was too. No, it wasn't Real Madrid. That was Chelsea Real Madrid. Who did City play? PSG. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was easy. It was this, the first game I thought was very very difficult, and they got away with it clearly. This one was just a stroll in the park and no Mbappe, no party, man. Neymar, did, did you see that clip of Neymar like at the end with the ball, and he just looked just so forlorn. It was unreal. unreal. Yeah. It was still signed a new contract nice. the next day. <clears throat> that money's good, man. <laughs> but yeah. they did it. Um, they're going to the final. Um, anything you want to say about this? I just have Foden in my head like he did something good. I, they assist for somebody. Who was it? I honestly don't remember. Mara's. It was it was for Mara's. Uh Yeah, there was a oh, lot of pressure. There was a yes. lot of pressure for, from PSG and then uh, City were able to break on the counter. Kevin De Bruyne, perfectly weighted pass to uh, Foden who made a lung bursting run out of his own area across the field to put a perfectly weighted pass across the goal for Red Maris to score an iconic goal for Man City, sending them into the first final, their first final of the Champions League, putting yeah. the, the happiest smirk on Pep Guardiola's face, which is <laughs> unbearable to watch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great summary. I love it. In that yeah. voice, Man City summaries from Moshe exclusively. But uh, no, look, they, they deserve it. They deserve it. They they've been one of the best teams in Europe all season and all season they, this season. Oh well, yeah, obviously they have bottled it many yeah, times in the past. That's why years. it's an annual <laughs> annual competition. <laughs> um, I but, feel okay with it because Ole is clearly superior to that. Very right. much so. Very much so. From the depths of the Europa League, definitely we are superior. But I think this is true. I, I do think that like Chelsea are the last team that City would have wanted to play. And not just because they've lost to them twice in the league, but Togo has them defending so well. They concede mm-hmm. no goals. Um, and they're going to be... They're, they're the best... I would say that Chelsea are the best team in Europe off the ball. They are so well organized. They work so hard. They're the last thing that City want to face. And so for that reason, I really don't see City as favorites for this game. Tuchel has Conte playing like prime like world cup conte this is unreal and i guess i I know people are like oh but it was modish and cruz i'm like i don't care who it was the way he was running that's on like it doesn't matter who the opposition if he keeps that up he's he's gonna win every tackle get every interception and create things the man was unbelievable and i'm that's that's the thing i think that would scare city because He's unpressable. <laughs> so, like, what are, you, what are you going... How are you going to nullify N'Golo Kante and Mason Mount? All these guys who are literally unpressable. They just... They're like flies. They're all over the place anyway. So, like, mm-hmm. how do you contain them? It's it's going to be a tactical conundrum. And you know Pep hates a tactical conundrum. Like, he's gone <laughs> false nine forever. And my advice to him, if he cares about what I have to say, is stick with your false nine. Just do that shit. Don't overthink this. That's how you lost to Leon. Don't overthink this. And you know how Pep has never lost a final, except against Mourinho in that league, 
the Spanish League Cup, Copa del Rey final in 2011. Uh, He's never oh, lost the final. Oh, Pinto. Yeah, that's interesting. Yes. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think he will. I, I think he's learned a little. I don't think he will overthink it. I think it's been clear for the last month or so what his first 11 is, and I think he's going to stick to that. Whether the, I think you're absolutely right. The midfield battle is going to be immense because Rodri and Gundogan and a 90 year old Fernandinho, if he plays, like brilliant players with the ball, off the ball, nowhere near Chelsea, nowhere near their energy, nowhere near their, their dynamism and their pressing. So that, it's going to be really tough. Well, here, here's yeah. a thought. As much as I said, don't tinker with it. Is a false nine real? Like, do you think it's going to work against a back three and a resilient back three that Chelsea have? It's, I mean, it's, maybe Chris is going to play, but it's going to be Rudiger, probably Aspilicueta steps in, and Zuma, most likely, right? That's fast, agile, except for Aspilicueta, and Man Mountain, except for Aspilicueta. So maybe target him, whatever. But like... Come on, that's false nine against that. How do you pull them apart? That's tough. And you saw that. Sorry, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say that you saw exactly that happen in the last game that they played, where Chelsea pipped them to a two-one win. Yeah, but in that in that case, and as was the case in the previous game against Chelsea, I think Pep was playing his second team and had the strikers on the pitch, and so. I think the way that you deal with the with that back three and how good they are is movement. It has to be movement. Um, and they'll they'll have a lot more of that with two false nines than they will have with you know Aguero or or Jesus and and Pep just doesn't have faith in, in them for the big game so they're not going to play. This is true. The, the question is which false nine did Chelsea go with? Uh, <laughs> will it be Werner or Havertz leaving leading the line? <laughs> uh, it might be Werner because that's it's going to be a high line from City so you need to push that them back. Yeah. Hundred percent. If he finally scores a goal that isn't offside in the Champions League final, that would be a funny end to to Timo's season. Like Ballon d'Or contender. <laughs> it's up to him to save football. So it really is. All right, lads, and we better leave it there. Yes, yes, no. we do. And uh, oh yeah, I was going to say something else, but I can't remember now. Um, oh, United in the Europe League final, Arsenal or not? On that note, it's probably a good time for me to say bye before Alex kills me. Literally, no one cares. See you later. <laughs>